in Acadiana. No, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so what is uh, on your mind? Well, I talk, uh, one thing I do want to talk about, Jeff, every year at this time, uh, along with Christmas trees, we, we have another Christmas tradition, and it's called onion plants, all right? So that is one that people slowly – I might sell 80,000 onion plants in a season, which is right now over the next three weeks uh, we'll sell them. You can plant them uh, now or into December, and uh, – but they do extremely well, and I, I think what has happened is people have, you know, kind of it's kind of caught on and saying, man, it doesn't take up a lot, lot of space. Uh, if you have a raised bed, you can put it around the perimeter of the raised bed, and it won't cross over with your spring crop because it's basically you plant them now, and they're going to produce in late April, May, and June. And, uh, and, and the, the, the number one seller I get is the Granix, which is second cousin to the Vidalia. And the Vidae is a much mild, it's a yellow onion, much milder than a traditional onion. And just very, very popular. And they do extremely well. So people can uh, harvest these. And if you harvest it correctly, they'll keep and, uh, or a lot of people will just chop them up and, and freeze them. Uh, but because it doesn't take up a lot of space and a lot of, a lot of energy, uh, even to harvest it, the, 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 uh, when it comes to harvesting, it's not like it's a, basically it's a bulb, a root bulb. But it almost half of it makes on top of the ground, so it's not like potatoes where you got to really dig up the the ground and find all the potatoes. Uh, uh, these little plants, uh, you, you're basically planting. Uh, if you kind of think of a uh, of a small pencil, that's the size of the plant. And what you do is, and I, and I forgot, I'll bring some in next week, but uh, or the following week. Uh, True. The, True. the uh, Thanksgiving next week, but the uh, uh, it's just a, a upright green. It looks like an onion top, basically, and it's real narrow and has a little uh, a small bulb. Again, the whole thing is about the size of a small pencil. And what you do is uh, you plant them in the ground in a good – take good drainage. It's a root crop, so good drainage and a lot of sun. Uh, you don't want to grow them in the shade. If you grow in too much shade, they, they will uh, make top a top, one top, but it won't, it won't really – the bulb itself won't fill out. So uh, you need to do that. And, and and you plant them now, and you kind of cut the tops off when you plant them. Maybe you cut them down about an inch. You cut it all off. All the It's usually the, at the top of it's kind of dead, uh, decaying matter. So you cut that off, and you go stick them in the ground. You space them about every six, eight inches. I, I tell, uh, you know, people that basically you want to be able to work in between them. If you don't, if you don't kind of weed them out as time goes on, the weeds will kind of take over. In the wintertime, if you just leave things alone, you know, they have these cool season weeds that will just grow and get tall. So you want to, you know, once every uh, week or so, you want to get in there and, and make sure you can pull the weeds or hold the weeds out. So a good six, eight inches apart. But, again, uh, they'll pretty much take care of themselves. You want to fertilize them when you plant them. And then about every eight weeks, you put side dressing with straight nitrogen. And the nitrogen is strictly to get more growth. And, again, the more growth they have at the top, uh, the bigger the bulb is going to be. And if the soil is loose, meaning what I mean by loose, it has a lot of organic matter in it, you'll really get a, you'll get a vidae, I would say, a good six to eight inches in diameter at the top. Really, it really is amazing. Again, the kids would like it too, especially if they saw the beginning to the end. And, um, and then they grow all winter, and, and again, they're going to cross over with the spring crop, so you don't want to put them where you're saying, oh, I want to plant my tomatoes in March. You've got to either have a spot or put them around the perimeter. And you will be able to start harvesting, harvesting them in around late April. 
Now, the, the, the hook is when it comes to harvesting the vidalias is, is that uh, I tell people early on you can harvest whatever's ready. You, and, and again, 75% of the bulb itself is going to be above the ground. So you can see what you, the size of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the onion itself. But if you're going to use it within three or four days, you can harvest that immediately and go use it, no problem. What you don't want to do is is have these, uh, you know, if you plant, they'll come in a bundle of about 50. And you have, let's say you planted 50, and you have 50 bulbs that you think, hey, these are ready to harvest, and you harvest all 50 in April, they're not going to keep. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't need them all, why do it? Why harvest it? But as time goes on, the plants is going to start to, by nature, die back, and it's because of the heat. So depending on, you know, temperatures, usually they'll start to die back dramatically, end of May or June. And, and if you allow that to happen, let's say of 50, you've used 10 and you've got 40 still in the ground, and then they start to die. Just let it die completely and then harvest them. And, and if you can think of it this way, is that if you harvest them after they've died completely, it's kind of telling you a lot of the moisture has gone away, has, has, pull, has been pulled out of the plant, and so they won't rot. They will keep for several months. So if you do it that way, oh, interesting. Yeah, use what you use. So even what though you the plant is dead, it's still a viable onion. It's still a viable onion. Gotcha. In fact, if you leave that onion uh, and you let it sit for too long, it's going to start to to resprout like they do in the pantry. Mm. And but the difference is if if you allow it to die naturally, and then you pull them up and you harvest them, and obviously you don't want to you don't want to water them, you don't want to clean them up with a water hose, you want to get them out of the uh, out of the sun and away from the rain. So you put them in a dark place dark and you know preferably not too hot i guess and um and uh and keep them spread out and those will keep but anything you harvest and the top is still green that means it still has too much moisture in the bulb itself and it won't keep which is not a problem if you're going to use them but if you're not going to use them and you plan on saying well i'm going to you know i'm going to use them all summer long that's what you want to do and it's kind of true with potatoes too potatoes another root crop uh, if you harvest a potato too early, it will not last as long. So you let it die completely, and then you harvest it. But the onion crop is a is a great. We get the yellow day and we get the red creole, and they act, actually they all came in yesterday, and we'll get another load in uh, the week of after Thanksgiving. But uh, bottom line is is that uh, it's a great time to get in the ground, but there's no rush. In other words, a lot of people say, oh, it's going to be late. Now, if you look at the LSU website, they say December. So we're still in good shape, but they're very viable, easy to do, and uh, once they I emerge, a fun crop. once they emerge uh, from the ground, any cold issues or the yeah, good good question, Jeff. No, uh, you know, like like anything, if it's a, if it's a really really dry front, just water them in the day of to water the ground to have moisture in the soil, and they'll be fine. And uh, and remember, when you plant, they will be emerged. So the plant the plant is actually about eight inches long. So you're actually planting a plant. Uh, and it's going to be sticking it out of the ground about three or four inches. Okay, and right and, at the start. Yeah, right at the start. And uh, but no, no, no cold issues. I guess if we got extreme cold early on, but even then, just watering the ground would would be sufficient. And uh, last year, it kind of threw everything off, Jeff, because the cold, the extreme cold, was so early. Uh, and I think part of the issue is that we went from uh, relatively mild weather to extreme cold. Usually, Mother Nature kind of kind of you know, you know kind of patiently uh, allows things to kind of go dormant but it didn't happen last year it went from 
mild weather to extremely cold. And then and, back to mild weather again. And then, <laughs> and then back to mild weather. And, you know, that's a good point uh, when it comes to, you know, I've been selling the Vidays, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 years. And twice it's happened where they, they would, uh, they, something called bolting, where they'll actually go to seed, and they go to seed in March. And that is caused by more, uh, temperatures going extreme. You got extreme cold, warming up then extreme cold again, and then warming up again. And after you do it twice, that plant says, hmm, it's time for me to mature, and they'll shoot up the seed stalk. Once uh, an onion plant shoots up the seed stalk, whatever the size of that plant is, that onion is, that's it. It ain't going to get any bigger. And, again, out of whatever, 30 years, it's happened twice where Mother Nature tricked the plant into thinking, <laughs> oh, it's time to time to give up. And uh, But that's not going to be this year. So, so kind of if you need to plant those, you want to plant those, those are all in. And uh, so this what I brought in here is this is an amaryllis, Jeff. And I don't know how familiar you are with amaryllis. Yeah, in fact, Christine grew one last year or the year before maybe. And, and this is a very, very big bulb. I mean, normally you can buy the bulbs, Jeff, and it would pro- it probably this bulb is probably six inches in diameter. Normally there would be about two inches in diameter. So this is, you know, three times the size of a normal uh, amaryllis and the difference is is that this amaryllis will actually make uh, a much much bigger flower and more flowers and this is actually used to plant in a pot and allow you kind of force them when it comes to the amaryllis itself is is they don't need to be planted in soil initially so what they'll do with this bulb itself they'll put it in a small pot They'll put a uh, rock or gravel in the pot, and they'll plant the bulb so it's so it's uh, in the rock about uh, halfway, leaving the other half above the soil. Uh, it makes a you know you put in a little decorative pot uh, or even a glass uh, pot. It really doesn't need a lot of moisture. Uh, we will actually pot half of these uh, that we get in in decorative pots in rock, and they will make a gorgeous flower that's really, really pretty and actually performs very, very well. The neat thing about these is that it's going to make a much bigger flower than a traditional amaryllis, and they come in a, in a wide variety of color. The one I brought here is kind of an orange, but we have the deep reds, we have pinks, we have whites, we got uh, variegated colors. But it really, really makes a, a pronounced uh, a flower and a very big one. Now, once they finish blooming, and really this will bloom out in about, not well, it will start to bloom in about eight weeks, which would be, you know, perfect for Christmas. Uh, and, and so you can actually bring these inside. You can grow these inside, but they will need some light in a, near a window or something like that to bloom. But the food is already stored in the bulb, so they don't need a lot of, a lot of fertilizer. The main thing is that they need extremely good drainage, and they don't really need to be put in soil at all, just rock or something, and they need humidity. So, you know, I tell people if you put a saucer underneath there and once a week you put a little uh, moisture in the saucer, that's plenty enough for this plant to, to take off and, uh, and bloom. The, uh, now, once they're finished blooming, uh, the seed stem, or I'm sorry, the flower stem will be sticking up. You can actually cut that flower stem off and actually go plant it in the ground, and they will do extremely well in the ground. They will actually multiply, but they won't bloom till next year, and they'll bloom next year around February, March. Oh, okay. So you will get both. You'll get flowers this year for Christmas in a pot, 
and then once they're done, you can plant them, and then they'll keep coming back every year. As a matter of fact, they will continue to multiply. They won't be as the uh, as these plants uh, multiply. They won't be as big as uh, as the bulb that you purchase, but they will be plentiful and they'll divide. Anybody who's planted amaryllis in the ground, they know how they divide. They're really aggressive and they do extremely well. And so uh, many, many amaryllis have been passed around. It's an old flower around here, Jeff, that people used to plant bulbs and and uh, and they uh, they did extremely well. Daffodils and narcissus is another one that you plant, but they plant those directly in the ground and you can plant those uh, in the ground uh, uh, right now. Narcissus is one they'll also force, just like we talked about here, they'll put in a pot and they'll bloom in around six to eight weeks in uh, and so they can give you fragrance and color. So that's another one they'll do in pots. The other weird uh, 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 root, root I bought here is this is an iris. And it looks very weird, huh, Jeff? Uh, it kind of looks like a glorified strawberry, much bigger, but has kind of a dried-up look it to it. It looks kind of like when I cut off my banana plant. That's right. Yeah. I mean, certainly, if you didn't know what this was, you would discard this thinking, well, I don't know what this is, but it looks like something we cut off. But it basically has roots. It's brown except for a little green. And this is a bearded iris. And the bearded iris gets its name because the flower looks like a, an old man's beard. And uh, it does extremely well. It needs sun. This is a perennial, just like the amaryllis was a perennial. They'll come back every year. And this will multiply and come back. But if you have a spot that maybe uh, uh, you, you, know, you have trouble growing things in simply because it made the ground stays a little wet, this one will do really, really well. And it will also divide and get bigger. Uh, you know, the, the soil being a little wet, they can tolerate that. It needs sun. It's a perennial, so it'll come back every year, but it does die back to the ground uh, in the wintertime. So in the winter, you'll have no foliage, nothing, and then it'll come back uh, in the spring and bloom. But uh, bearded iris, you don't see it planted as much, uh, but if you have trouble for certain things, it'll actually do do very well and perform really good. A lot of people are still planting bedding plants, Jeff. Everybody got to a late start strictly because it was so dry, and uh, so people were kind of – Doubtful that it would ever rain, which, you know, given this summer, you kind of think. Co- coincidentally, the burn ban has been lifted in Iberia. There Parish. you go. There you go. Just um, just got the note now, and uh, again, a little rain helps. Wow. I, I don't ever remember having a burn ban in November, mm. you know, so that's that's kind of strange. Uh, but anyway, so we did get our moisture. So people are actually starting to get the, uh, uh, the bedding plants in. So you still have plenty of time. Uh, to put, you know, snapdragons, pansies, petunias, dianthus, and a few others that uh, you could plant in the ground, do well. Main thing is that you want to put uh, in the wintertime, you want to give as much sun as possible. Uh, we have one called cyclamen, which is a beautiful big flower, which we've talked about uh, in previous weeks, but that will tolerate shade. And so that's one of the few that will actually bloom in the shade and, and perform very well. Um, but all the other ones are going to need more sun than shade because our day length is getting shorter. We get overcast days like this, so you're not getting a lot of sun, and so you want to kind of, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of watch that. Uh, switching now, Jeff, to vegetables. Vegetables are doing really good. Uh, people are coming in and saying that the uh, you know, some of that cabbage is starting to head up. That's a really, really good sign. The main thing this year was that you had to keep it wet. We had it was really hot early on. But most people did very well, so they're starting to get uh, 
uh, you, you know, re really nice, nice looking plants. Uh, uh, but you can still plant cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce. We just didn't get, get in time. And, and we've got a good, good selection of, of some very, very pretty plants. Um, you know, the main thing is that if, if for some reason we would get a hard cold like we did last year, you'd have to protect these young plants and, and, and really the older plants. Last year when they called, Jeff, again, this was around Christmas. We got that cold weather. People had heads of cabbage that they said, man, you know, you know, it's a, it's a cool season plant. I said, yes, it is. But that cabbage head will freeze and actually explode if you don't cut it. So you, you had to harvest uh, before something like that. However, we're talking about, you know, 28, stand below freezing for a couple hours, not a problem for e even the young plants. Just, again, moisture to help, you know, insulate them a little bit. But so, you know. Given normal normal winter, Jeff, we're still in good shape. We can plant till January, actually, and uh, and still not have a problem. So, don't hesitate if you hesitate planting anything like that. Obviously, when it comes to beans and peas and tomatoes, it's getting too late. Actually, the uh, the fall tomato crops are looking really really good. Uh, I have some in my house; they're in the ground, and I have probably uh, you know ten or fifteen tomatoes that probably are at about a two inches in diameter so they will they won't get as big as they do in the summertime or for the spring crop because the sunlight isn't there uh the day length is short that affects everything but you will make fresh tomatoes with not a problem um if you have plants in the in a container tomato plants in a container you can pull those in if it gets really really cold and last year, like you said, Jeff, you know, if you had to pull that in for a week and that's it, the rest of the time, it was summertime in January, and you wouldn't have had a problem. Many people did very well with the fall fall crop in the tomatoes. Last year, they, they did lose them uh, in the, uh, because of that hard coat if they were in the ground. Uh, also, with the vegetables, you want to look for, we're starting to see signs of cabbage loopers, and I say cabbage loopers because they're called that, but they'll actually get on broccoli and all the greens. And it's a small little worm, and the best way to, to see that is all of a sudden you're going to see holes in the leaves. And then what you want to do is go to those leaves and the surrounding leaves and flip them and kind of look for them. And you see this small little green worm, uh, and, and uh, you, you want to take care. It's different from a, from a hornworm. Hornworm is really big. You don't see those. You see those in the spring on the, like the tomatoes. But this looper is very common. We're starting to see them. I don't know if it was the moisture that got them out. But, but they, are, they are prevalent now. So you want to look for them. They're easy to control. There's liquid you can spray that is very, very safe that you'll be able to spray it. And if you want to eat the broccoli the same day, you could. Uh, so it's very, very natural. But it does very it, – it'll kill them within 24 hours. Yeah. In fact, uh, I was thinking about this when you were talking about the onions and the weeding around them. Would you want to use a weed killer around uh, that or uh, just pull as – yeah, I would say pull it, but there are weed killers that you can spray. The problem with it, Jeff, is they're a little bit on the expensive side. So unless you've got – but some people do. They'll have, you know, seven, 800 onions. And, yeah, in that case, there are things that pre-emerge that you can put down to prevent the weeds, and then there are sprays you can spray. But really for a small garden, it's really more practical to go ahead and just uh, just weed it out. But, but they do have some that will not – hurt the uh that's right eating of the onion yeah exactly so. and that's that's yeah it has to be correct it has to be labeled for onions but there are s products out there that will kill 
a lot of the weeds and won't hurt the onions. It's labor for onions. that's safe to use, as well as with tomatoes and all that. The, the biggest issue comes is the cost. So if unless you got a big expanse, uh, then it gets kind of, um, you, know, you know, not practical. But raised beds, that's the, that's the benefit of these raised beds, Jeff. You get very little weeds because you're, using, you're not you're digging in the ground. And the weeds you do get are very easy to pull up because they just come up. You know, they don't break apart and you have to come in weeding. And uh, generally, a, 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 that's a big plus. So, but, yeah, there are things la uh, labeled for it, but you just kind of watch it. Rye, get, rye grass, Jeff. Jeff, I think we haven't sold. I don't know if I've sold out of 50 bags. I don't know if I've sold 15. <laughs> but they've just started to sell, and they, everybody was waiting on the rain. So it's not too late at all to plant rye grass. And I've seen this before. It's, it's, it's all related to because usually when you're planting rye grass, Jeff, you plant over a big area. You're not, you're not planting, you know, five tomato plants. So you're planting your whole yard, and so it's really hard to water. So now that we got the moisture, people are coming and putting their ryegrass down, and, uh, you know, we get some rain on Monday or Tuesday. You want to get that ryegrass in the next three or four days. That's going to help you in terms of getting it up fast and, uh, and not having to water at all. And so uh, I, I would go ahead and put the ryegrass down. We talked about rye, the two different types. You've got dwarf and the regular old rye. You know, most homeowners want the dwarf because you don't have to cut it as often. Uh, you may have to put a few more seeds down, but, but in terms of the maintenance of it, you know, you might cut it once a month as opposed to the other one. You might cut it once a week in the right situation. It gets real thick and thick and full of moisture. So put your ryegrass down uh, now, especially if we get that rain Monday afternoon. Uh, that will work out perfectly. If you're in a situation where you're going to get a lot of washout, then, you, then timing becomes more critical. I don't know how much rain we're supposed to get, but I think it's going to be a pretty good amount of rain. I have not seen any uh, number offered. Yeah, so if it does come out hard, you may get washout. But if it's in the lawn, it's not, it's not to worry, Jeb, because you're going to broadcast that uh, on, the, uh, on the lawn. The only thing you'd want to watch out uh, when broadcasting on the lawn is you want the leaves of the, your existing grass to be dry when you're broadcasting out. You don't want it to be full of dew and wet and whether the seed itself will stick to the grass blades. Then you have to water it in to get it down. So if you put it down this weekend and when the blades are dry and then and then, then you'll get a rain Monday, uh, that would be ideal to put it down. And uh, I would go ahead and, uh, and get that done. Other than that, Jeff, we are waiting on the Christmas trees. Uh, they're going to be probably... Monday or Tuesday, they'll get them in. This coming Monday. This coming Monday or Tuesday. We're actually you know, putting the stands up now and getting everything ready to, to, uh, to put them out. It's going to be another tight year in terms of uh, quantity and availability. We're one of the fortunate ones. A lot of retailers will not get any, as they didn't get last year either, strictly because they're in short supply. And uh, so it's uh, – uh, it's, it's always a battle. You can't manufacture Christmas trees. That's one thing. It's not like you say, well, I'm going to increase production because if the demand's high. You can't do it. You've got to grow them out, and it takes, you know, for a six- or seven-foot tree, it would take, you know, nine, ten years to get that tree. And uh, the biggest issue is not so much the small trees, Jeff, it's the big trees. That availability is tight. But uh, we get them in, and uh, so we're hoping to start selling them Tuesday or Wednesday before Thanksgiving because a lot of people want to put them up before Thanksgiving. And uh, so we, uh, we, we should be out. It's just a question of whether it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday. Gotcha. And any tips on caring at this point? Well, Jeff. And you get an extra three or four days. Extra three or four the, days. You know. And so and that always scares me. And, uh, you know, the ones that we get, you know, a lot of the, the uh, big box stores, 
you know, they, they sell thousands of trees, right? So these growers, they'll start cutting those trees. Believe it or not, they'll start cutting certain trees in late August, September, and they'll put them in cold storage. And, uh, you know, our trees are cut 7 to 14, 14 days before they're loaded. So our trees were probably cut. They're going to load them Saturday. They probably will cut uh, the Saturday or the Thursday or Wednesday before. So they're freshly cut. But even then, uh, as you just mentioned, that long four extra four days we have between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, you know, it's a live tree. So you really got to make sure that, you know, we'll make fresh cuts in them. When you get them in, you got to start putting water in, a little warm tap water in immediately. And, uh, and don't let it dry out, meaning every day you've got to check it and refill it. It won't, it won't pull in water all Christmas season, but if you can get it pulling in water for 7 to 10 days, you've done your job, you know, and it will, it will help uh, immensely in terms of the, the longevity and, and how the tree looks good. Now, there's tree preservers that we sell that you can add in that will keep them green, but the key is the moisture is the key and that it's absorbing that moisture. So the ease of getting the water in the stand is important, and how much uh, water does the stand hold is very important. Any great innovations in Christmas tree stands? Actually, actually, we have one probably been selling, I don't know, 10 years. The biggest advantage to this is there's no lag. You remember the lags, Jeff? You know, your your lag bends and... And there's no there's no real collar. You know how they used to have the collars, and and so so the by not having a true collar, you 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 don't lose all those lower limbs. You know some of those collars are ten twelve inches deep, which basically means that any limb below ten or twelve inches has to be taken off, which is for some trees that's a lot. You know, and so there's of no. Of course, for all the gifts I get, I need a lot of space. There you go. You know, there you go. So so these have no legs. No collar, and it uh, have easy access for putting water, and it holds a lot of water. And so that's that's kind of the 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 new one, and it's plastic, so it, it doesn't necessarily scratch the. You know, we used to sell years ago metal. You know, everything was metal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, some was metal rebar, Jeff. Cause some of those bigger trees, you had metal rebar, so that we would put plugs on them. My God. That was a nightmare. I remember that. And uh, so you'd put plugs on them. And so when you delivered, you had to make sure the plugs were still on it. It was, it was, uh, it was an ordeal. And it still is an ordeal when it comes to delivery. But um, uh, the, the bottom line is, yeah, so you, you do have it. So you make sure in stability, you know, it's, they're, they're real stable. So that's the, all the factors. You, you want to have the right stand for the right tree. And let me tell you, Jeff, it is a, you know, it is a guessing game because you'd say, okay, you know, you look at a stand and it says this is good for a seven to eight foot tree, right? Mm-hmm. So you got a seven and a half foot tree. So that stand will fit on it, correct? Not correct, because it depends on the year. So sometimes a seven to eight foot tree can be really heavy and bulky. Sometimes it can be light. Uh, and so it is, It is. you know, I, I, you know, I've come to the point where I tell my customers, you're going to have to test that tree, you know, we put them in the stand, but if you put the stand at the house, you got to see how secure that tree is when you kind of rock it. If it's obviously, you know, really, really heavy, you know, then you need to you need to bump it up. So there's no real easy answer to that. Obviously, you want to pick the right stand for the right tree, but that depends on the season. And, and sometimes on bigger trees, you have to go up. Usually with the smaller trees, it's going to be correct. You know, if it says a five- to six-footer, that'll fit. But when you start to get into – 
you know, seven to eights, <laughs> eight to nines, nine to tens, uh, you got to really be careful, especially those seven to eights and eight to nines. That varies dramatically from year to year, whether how bulky and heavy. This year they're going to be, be light, again, because of what we talked about earlier. Uh, but uh, bottom line, it's a, it's a, it is a learning process. There you go. That's it. Richard, uh, anything else before that, we let you go? That's it, Jeff. I want to wish everybody uh, a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's it's right upon us already, and um, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>